0: You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1160 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. Coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday, and thank you as always for making this podcast, Locked On Hawks Podcast. Your first listen each and every day. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's show will break down what became a nice win for the Hawks, one twenty-one to one fourteen, over the Milwaukee Bucks. A come from behind victory for Atlanta to stop a dreaded losing streak. In fact, the Hawks had lost 10 straight at home at State Farm marina. their longest home losing streak in 17 years. That's a long time. They lost five games in a row overall, and for large portions of this game, they were in trouble. They showed by the man as 14 points. They didn't lead in the game. They had zero leads in the game until 437 remaining in the fourth quarter, but they closed it out in a 34-17 run after Trey Young returned in the fourth quarter. He was fantastic down the stretch. And that rounds out what became a nice seven-point victory for the Hawks that included three straight awesome offensive quarters after a slow start. So we're going get into all the particulars, as always. But one quick thing here is to plug this podcast. In addition to just subscribing, just a couple things to plug here with a Cam Reddish recap show that was sort of emergency podcast on Friday. We had some full audio from Travis Schlenk over the weekend. We had recap podcasts of the entire weekend on Sunday night into Monday. Tyler Jones joined us last week for a two-part episode. We've done eight episodes in the last eight and a half, nine days. It's been very busy on the podcast, and uh, please tell your friends about the show. Thank you for listening as always, and we'll dive in now to the game itself with some pre-game context. The Hawks were without both Bogdanovich and Capella in this game. Not surprising after they both missed the last game as well, Bogey with the knee soreness, Capella with the ankle in the ankle sprain that he's out with right now. They ended up changing the, the rotation, though, a little bit in this game, and that started out at the very beginning of the contest with starting Onyeka Kongwu at center. As you might have heard earlier this week or into last week, I think that was the right decision. I would have started him over the weekend. They started Gorky Jang. I didn't have as much of a problem with, with it as some people did. People thought it was, like, you know, just crazy that, that they might do this, and um, I would have started Kongwu and in this game... Jeng didn't play at all. In fact, they shortened the rotation out a lot, which we'll get into later. But Okongwu was awesome in this contest. Um, not like a 30-point game or anything like that, but if you watched the game, you saw the impact that he made on the defensive end of the floor in particular, and it was good to see him play very well. And coming into the night, the starting lineup in this game, which was Trey Young, Kevin Herter, De'Andre Hunter, John Collins, and Kongwu had played seven minutes together. Now, obviously, a lot of that has to do with player availability because Kongwu was out, Hunter was out, Etc., but still, that's a wild number um, for a lineup that should see some real usage. Uh, I think when Capella comes back, obviously, he's, he's going to be starting again just based on you know, the hierarchy and all that stuff. But um, this is a group that's going to play more together, you'd imagine, in the future. And it was a good start for that unit in this game. Um, no Drew Holiday from Milwaukee, obviously a big loss there, but the Bucks were still favored in the game, even after losing five of the last seven games in their own right. Milwaukee was about a five-point favorite in Atlanta, according to our friends at Battleline.ag, and that was appropriate. The Hawks have been, of course, playing so poorly recently that even even with the Bucks kind of scuffling in the last couple of weeks, Milwaukee is the reigning champion. They're playing much better than the Hawks are overall, better profile, etc., and um, while Drew was out, you know, that kind of balances a little bit with Capella and McDonovich. You know, obviously, Brook Br- Lopez is still out for the books as well. But um, all that said, well, the Hawk's even at home were underdogs, and they probably should have been in this game. So they won the game. That's uh, obviously a big, big credit to them. That was not a uh, out-of-line point spread, though, in my mind. Um, diving into the game itself, it was a very, very slow start for actually both teams offensively. Um, the rest of the game, basically, the offenses were dominant, but in the first several minutes, it was a defensive struggle, or you want to say bad offense, one of those two. The Hawks opened 2 of 14 from the floor and 0 of 9 from 3. They were only down by 4, though, because the Bucks couldn't score either. They, they were they were 3 of 12 from the floor. I thought it was pretty good process. I did not tweeted as much um, along the way. I think the Hawks missed a bunch of shots that they are capable of making. That obviously positively regressed down the stretch of this game. But it wasn't like the Hawks were taking bad shots earlier, doing anything crazy. They just, they just could not make a shot, particularly from three at the outset. Um, rotationally, it was DeLon Wright and Gallinari as the first subs. They played right with Trey Young again as kind of a wing. They played Collins at center. In fact, they never went to Gorgie Jang in this game, so it was Akongwu and Collins at center for all 48 minutes. Akongwu um, played 36 of them. Collins played 12 minutes at center and 19 minutes at the four. Um, then they played TLC and Lou Williams to run the, run the rotation out a little bit. Um, but they started, they started scoring a little bit more on offense um, at the middle of the quarter, but the Bucks got a couple of easy ones, went up by eight points, and uh, in fact uh, Middleton got off a little bit on TLC and on Lou Williams on a switch at one point. So defensively, it was, um, there were some issues, I'll say. It wasn't fantastic, nor was it terrible defensively in the first quarter, but the Hawks were one of 12 from three. Um, in like 10 minutes. so they were actually bombing. They just couldn't make any shots on the perimeter. But they were they were down nine at the end of the first quarter because of the offense. Again, they were 2-13 from three in the first quarter with five turnovers. That's a bad, bad number for this Hawks team. And they scored 17 points on 23 possessions, which is really bad. And uh, Herter and Collins were 0-8 in the first quarter combined. Things improved for both of those guys the rest of the way, but a slow start to be sure. Um, in the second quarter, they brought Herter back to begin the second quarter and they only played nine guys. again. Got, got no Jang in this game. But everybody else played in the first half in the second half, there was no TLC. So really, he only played one stint in the entire game. It was four minutes. So for the most part, it was an eight-man rotation for this game. And that's that's obviously doable when you don't have foul trouble, at least crazy foul trouble, and you have guys who are capable of playing 30-plus minutes. But I'm not sure if they will do that all the time, but they, there was definitely some urgency in this game, and that kind of uh, showed itself in their rotations. They showed by as many as 11 early in the second quarter, um, and they kind of went to this weird offense-only lineup in the second quarter with Trey, Lou, Herter, Gallinari, and Collins playing together. Um, The offense did improve in that stretch. Herter made a three after he uh, had had that slow start we talked about a second ago. But defensively, it kind of cratered a little bit with that group, which is very predictable. I don't think that there's really any reason um, with any kind of relative health on the roster to play Trey and Lou together really at all, especially in the first half. Um, But then to also throw in Trey, Lou, and Gallo without Capella and without even a Kongwu out there is just kind of... Asking for trouble, even if I think Collins is an underrated defender, it's not going to like he's going to like change the game defensively at the 5. So they allowed 14 points in 6 possessions at one point, which is kind of indicative. Um, that won't always happen, but it was probably appropriate for what that group is able to do defensively. But the Hawks did finally wake up from 3. Collins had a great sequence in which he had a block shot and then hit a 3 and the other the floor. The Hawks were 6 of 9 from 3 in one stretch after opening that 1 of 12 push. Uh, Okongwu had a couple nice finishes. They couldn't slow Giannis down, including Okongwu in that stretch, but nobody really could. He had a great game until late for the Bucks. There was a five-point swing that I kind of circled early. Trey couldn't get a layup to go in, uh, and then Milwaukee had a three to go back up by eight points. That was kind of a red flag for me. And the Hawks had trailed by only four with four minutes to go in the first half, but then Milwaukee closed in a 14-6 run to go up by 12 at the break, and that kind of felt like a missed opportunity for the Hawks after they kind of scratched and clawed to get back into things. But... On the bright side, and this carried over eventually, but the Hawks were awesome offensively in the th- in the second quarter. I should say, 33 points, five of eight from three, only one turnover, but they did allow 36 points, including seven threes from the Bucks in the second quarter. There was some good shot making. In fact, you know the Bucks the, the Bucks had a 126 offensive rating in the first half, and I wrote this down mid game, and they were they were pretty hot. I think the Hawks they had, they had too many break- breakdowns defensively for sure. It wasn't a flawless first half on defense for Atlanta, but I think the, the defense was actually better than it showed on paper, other than that stretch with the all-offense lineup that kind of hurt the defense overall in predictable fashion. But I think the performance was overall better than the numbers were in the first half defensively for the Hawks, and there was some good shot-making, particularly from Middleton from the Bucks. Um, on the offensive side, it was not great because of the first quarter, but as we got into a second ago, the second quarter and beyond was pretty good offensively, but they lost turnover battle in the first half, which the Hawks need to kind of win because that's one of their strengths on the floor this season is their turnover um, maintenance, and uh, that ended up being uh, prescient moving forward as the Hawks did uh, have an awesome second half offensively and uh, outscored the Bucks 71-52. And the second half of this game, which we'll get into all of that in a moment. But first, it were from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is Prize Picks. Attention Hawks fans! You may hear me talk about Prize Picks for months now. Have you signed up yet? If you haven't, now is the perfect time. For a limited time, Prize Picks exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users get $50 free. Yes, users get $50 for free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point, but only if you use the promo code NBA. That's right, it's an exclusive offer available for all Locked On fans only if you use the promo code NBA. Prospects is the best NBA DFS prop game on the market, and it offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as the bench guys who only record a handful of minutes each and every game. Prospects offers any prop you can think of, from points to assists to rebounds, three-pointers, etc. you pick got two to five players and overrunner on their projections. You can win up to ten times on any entry. It's just you against the projected numbers. There are also mixed sports entries on PrizePix. You can take the over on Trey Young, combine with the under on your favorite football players in the same entry. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play right now. PrizePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Go to prizepix.com today or use the App Store and download the app. All users that use that deposit promo code of NBA will get $50 free on your first PrizePix entry if you score a single point. One more time, all users that deposit using the promo code NBA will get $50 free on your first PrizePix entry if they score a single point. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. Alright, the second half was obviously a lot kinder to the Hawks on the whole, but it took a while, honestly. There was a nice steal from Okongwu against Giannis early in the third quarter. Um, there was a technical foul on Nate McMillan that people were kind of giving credit for. It was kind of a weird one, but he got in a technical foul for arguing a non-call against Hunter. I think Nate was right about that. Um, it, it's definitely rare for him to get that mad and get a technical foul, so that's worth noting. But there was some credit being given to Nate like for turning things around with a technical foul. Um, the Hawks, it was 30-30 to 30 in the next 60 points after the technical foul. So yes, the Hawks did win the rest of the game, but uh, it was not necessarily buoyed by the technical foul. It's one of those narrative things that kind of... Frustrate me a little bit when you have to sort of look at the numbers a little bit closer. But uh, Nate was fired up at that point in time, and that was uh, worth always putting a pin in. But they couldn't stop Middleton early in the third quarter. He had 23 points in his first 19 minutes. Hunter had trouble with him. Hunter had trouble with him. Kind of everybody did, honestly, at that, at that early stage. But the one thing that he didn't do well in this game, Middleton, for the Bucks, was hold on to the ball. He had eight turnovers, which was kind of uh, overcoming some of his hot shooting from the rest of the game. But the Hawks got it to five with a nice stretch from DeAndre Hunter, who scored five points in a row. Uh, Kongwu had a great had a great block on Giannis that actually nobody liked when it was called a foul. It might have been a foul, honestly. He got a little bit of hand, a little bit of wrist. But that was the first one. Later on, he got another big block on Giannis that was definitely clean into a jump ball. But um, kind of another flash play. There were so many of those in this game from, from Kongwu where you can just, just see the modern big, um, I don't know, promotion from him. Like, you could definitely just kind of see what he's able to do dating back to the draft and I won't do the whole thing again but for people who are listening for a long time this is kind of what I thought O'Connell was going to be in a lot of ways is this like super modern big defender who can do switching and protect the rim and be an athletic freak and finish around the rim and he's kind of doing all that now which is good to see but anyway that was one of the highlights of of the night for him was that block on Giannis that was actually called a foul but there was a nice run later on from the Hawks to get it within three after three by DeLon Wright at 80-77. And they were down by five at the at the end of the third quarter, which was a nice little uh, chunk of comeback from the Hawks. In fact, they got to the line 12 times in the third quarter, and they scored 33 points. And uh, here's a wild one for you. The Bucks were 23-0 this season when leading after three quarters. That is now 23-1 because the Bucks led this game after three, and the Hawks were able to uh, come back and win it. Um, going to the fourth quarter, though, it was not always a breeze through there. So as much as the Hawks had this comeback narrative and they played very well um, early on, the Hawks cut the lead to two with a big three by Lou Williams at the early part of the, of the fourth quarter, but then it was a 9-0 run by the Bucks that I, I almost forgot until I looked back at my notes that this happened because the Hawks had been coming and cutting the lead and doing all that stuff. It was not linear, though. The Bucks left by 11 early in the fourth. And then Trey came back in with about nine minutes to go, as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, and the Hawks were down by 10 when he when he returned and it hung in that range for a while, and then things swung in Atlanta's fashion in a hurry. So Gallinari had a three-point play. The Hawks got a steal, and then Herter hit a three, and that run got them back within three. Um, they went back to, to the starters with Gallinari in place of Collins. And by the way, they closed with that group. Collins was not on the floor until the final like 30 seconds of the game. It was a lot of Gallinari, and he was very good in the second half of this game. Um, there was one hiccup when Akongwu fouled Chris Middleton on a three-pointer. That's one of those rookie things that Akongwu still, still has a lot to learn. I just said he was awesome in this game and he was, but that was one bad moment for sure and he's been some he's been pretty foul prone at times, but aside from that it was all good from the from the Hawks in that stretch. 7 more 7 more points in a row it became a 13-3 overall run, which the only points from Milwaukee were that with the free throws from Middleton and that gave the Hawks the lead for the first time because Gallinari scored 5 points in a row. Hit a three, and then after they took the lead again for the first time in the entire game with five minutes to go, basically, the Congo had that jump ball block against Giannis, which is a massive play. Then the Hawks won the jump as well. They did have one bad possession. After that, when Trey kind of just over-dribbled and took a pretty bad step back, contested shot at the shot clock buzzer that he missed. But from there, he was pretty much lights out the rest of the way. The Bucks did lead one more time, but then Trey led with uh, free throws from there. Akonwu actually kind of slipped on a possession, and Giannis missed an open shot that he rarely misses, like an eight-footer, but that was a big swing. Um, Herter made a jump shot. There was some emptiness from there, and then Trey hit a deep three to go up by six, and uh, the Hawks led comfortably from there other than it got to five again. Um, but that was kind of all there was. I won't go through the entire play-by-play that play, there was a chance to kind of end it a little bit earlier. Try missed the jump shot with about a minute to go. They kind of smartly fouled Giannis, though, on a drive. He only made one of two, and the Hawks got the jump ball rebound, but Hunter actually won the tap. That was actually going to be a big swing if they didn't get the rebound because um, it was probably should have been an easy rebound. The Hawks just didn't secure it, but Hunter wins the tip-off in terms of the uh, jump ball ruling there, and the Hawks secure the ball. Um, Hunter then scores to kind of ice it with 26 seconds to go. It wasn't over, but that was a big shot from the Hawks. After a timeout, Giannis uh, plows through Gallinari, who again played very well in the second half of this game to kind of end it. And uh, overall, a 34-17 run from when Trey came back into the game. And obviously, I didn't know this was going to happen, but I did tweet when it happened, like for those concerned, here's when Trey's coming back into the game, down 10. Because I had a feeling the run was coming. I wasn't sure they were going to win the game by any means, but... Interesting kind of to put a pin in that. He came back a little bit earlier than he has at times, which is definitely notable. Hawks fade has been wanting him to play more in the fourth quarter. That happened in this game. It's not necessarily correlation equals causation, but he was very good in the fourth quarter. In fact, Trey had 15 in the fourth. As a team, the Hawks shot 10 of 19 from the floor, 4 of 7 from the 3, and 14 of 14 from the line in the fourth quarter alone. In the second half, they were unbelievably good as a shooting team. Uh, from three, percent That's for, for an entire half. And uh, insanely, they were 25 of 26 at the free throw line in the second half of this game. Again, 25 of 26. Most of that is Trey and Gallinari, who are two elite free throw shooters. But that's still crazy volume, crazy accuracy. And uh, to win games like this on the margins, you have to kind of do that kind of stuff. And the Hawks were awesome offensively after halftime. In fact, it was a season high for Atlanta with 71 points in the second half of this game. Also a season high of fourth quarter scoring with 38. And given the fact they were playing against Milwaukee, yes, Milwaukee without Drew Holiday, so they're not, they're not quite their normal self, but still a, a well-conditioned, strong defense that the Hawks were able to exploit a lot at the line. And They, they certainly got hot from three, um, but Gallo in the second half was awesome, had 12 points on three shots from the floor, three of three, and then five-six at the free throw line. So, all kinds of credit to go around, but the offense uh, was fantastic. Um, for the full game, actually, the Hawks ended up scoring um, at an elite clip, almost a 121 offensive rating for the game, because um, there was 100 possessions in this game, so it was kind of easy to kind of calculate that stuff. But again, Atlanta was awful in the first quarter, uh, like truly awful. So they scored, they scored 104 points in the last three quarters, They like 33, 33, 38 in the last three with some elite numbers to kind of bring everything up a notch Um, for the game. they were 30, 32 from the free throw line. Obviously a lot of that was second half as we just talked about, but still that's a huge thing. They were 14 of 24 from three after the one of 12 start, but even with the one of 12 start, they were 15 of 36, which is still really good. That's 40 plus percent from three for the game. Um, They kind of broke even on the glass and the the turnover battle. So that's going to be enough to win most of the time. Um, It's actually hard to win when you shoot 46% from two-point range, which which happened in this game, but the Hawks relied on and benefited from three-pointers and free throws to kind of carry the day offensively, and uh, pretty impressive offensive end overall, particularly when you factor in the rough start defensively, they held Milwaukee to almost exactly 1.1 points per possession in the game, at least in the competitive portion. Um, not fantastic, but they can win out that number, honestly. That's kind of the way I'd put that. It was not a great defensive performance, but the second half was pretty good. Um, they forced 10 turnovers after halftime, 39% shooting for Milwaukee um, in the second half of this game. And I think even with all of this said, I think the the Bucks probably shot a little bit better than you would expect on their shot diet, you know, Pat Connaughton four or five from three. Um, that's one to circle to be sure. Um, they were they shot 42% on 38 three-point attempts. That's not a crazy like in like unbelievable number, but you probably expect them to miss to probably miss a couple more of those in a vacuum. Now the rest of this stuff you can't necessarily guarantee to sustain. But I thought the Hawks did a pretty good job defensively. There was the one hiccup in second quarter, for sure, which, again, that was kind of facilitated by that offense-only lineup, which I didn't like. But for the rest of the game, the Hawks did a credible job defensively, and I think it's worth noting that... um Over the weekend, while they lost both those games, the defense was much better the last two, three games than it had been previously to that. So that continued here. It wasn't lights out. It wasn't great. It wasn't like holding a team to 95 points. But they did their job defensively for the most part, and the offense carried the day on the way to the win. Um, We'll have more on this in terms of the player evaluations and a look ahead to the upcoming week. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show, and the first of which is betonline.ag. BetOnline, Online, well, I'd like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline.ag remains the number one spot for all the sports wagering action for 2022. And with the new year, we have new updated desktop and mobile websites to sign up today. Receive we'll a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's 50% extra cash on your first deposit if you use the promo code LOCKED ON to get started. With football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, golf, tennis, auto racing, and much, much more, do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available at BetOnline.ag for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports action. And again, 50% welcome bonus with BetOnline.ag if you use the promo code LOCKEDON to get started. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, and we'll close the podcast up with some individual breakdowns. Again, we talked about this earlier, but the Hawks only ran eight guys in the second half, and TLC was the casualty in the rotation, and that's fine. There are some nights when you only need three wings, and the Hawks did that in this game. Um, TLC being the ninth guy makes a ton of sense to me. I think he is better than Knox. He is better right now than Jalen Johnson, etc. You could argue maybe Skylar Mays, but the Hawks needed more size when they're playing DeLon Wright and Lou both in the game. So that makes sense to play him. makes sense to... Cut his minutes down a little bit as well. That all tracks to me. He was fine when he played, didn't do much of anything, just kind of was out there, played some defense. There was one bad play when he gave up a layup to Middleton. But um yeah, nothing else to add there. Uh both Wright and Williams played um reasonable minutes, I thought. I thought Delon Wright was pretty good actually. Six points actually I made both of his shots from three, uh, two rebounds, two steals, um, did his job as usual. That's something that I kind of wish that they would go back to DeLon at the back of the point guard spot. Um, I do understand it, as we'll talk about it in a second, with Lou playing more because of bogey being out, but I think DeLon adjusts well to other roles, and in this game, he's been playing the wing the last couple games. That makes some sense. He is better than the other options at that spot, and I thought he did his job for the most part. Uh, Lou, uh, it was better than it has been, let's just say. For Lou, he had eight points in 14 minutes, Three or five from the floor, two of three from three. Uh, still give up a lot defensively, and I think um, there's probably a little bit too much credit assigned to him in certain comments after the game um, from players, etc. I don't think he was terrible, but I think, it, and in fact, I think it was a, probably a better Lou game than it has been in a while. But he, his defense is really, really bad. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's. A, I don't, I don't want to go overboard uh, emphasizing it, but it really is uh, jarring to watch sometimes. But this is the kind of night that you can live with for Lou. Like if he's got it going offensively, you can play him. Um, the calculus, basically, it seems to be without Bogey that they are more willing to give Lou the minutes at backup point guard and have Delon be kind of the third wing right now than they are to uh, go back to, like, Mays or whatever. Um, that's probably just Nate. Uh, again, I, I think I would I would personally just leave right in the role that he was in before as backup point guard and kind of use Skylar Mays as the fourth wing. But I do understand both sides of that, and Nate's going to default to veterans, so we'll leave it there for now. But this is, it's going to be interesting to see what happens Especially if Bogey has to miss time, we don't really know anything else about the knee right now. But if he's got to miss more time than this, um, they are going to be a wing short because of course Cam's not there anymore. So they will—they really only have two of their opening night wings with Hunter and Herder, and they're starting. And I think Delon Wright is definitely a you know a solid backup two guard if you want to, if you want to play him there. But interesting kind of uh, rotation stuff to work with here, with Cam along on the roster and Bogey battling injury. Uh, Gallinari to run on the bench here was awesome in this game. 16 points on four or five from the floor, one of two, one of two from three and eight free throw attempts, made seven of them as he almost always does. Um, three assists, three rebounds. I think defensively he was better than usual. Um, is there still moments where he's bad in transition? Absolutely. Are there still times where his uh, lack of foot speed really kills you? Yes. But I think he did a pretty good job on Portis and, um, and on Giannis even at times and switches and that kind of stuff. And they didn't get him out of the game in terms of his offense. Um, They rode him down the stretch, and that was appropriate. I think when Gallo has it, and he's playing well, and it's a good matchup for him, as we saw in the playoffs even against Milwaukee, um, I think playing him more makes some sense. Um, And 30 minutes, and basically what they did here in this game was play six guys, 30-plus minutes. And then two guys 15 minutes ish, and then one guy four minutes. So basically, they had Gallo as like a six starter, which is what his role was supposed to be all along. Now, he's not been as good as that role has been recently, but in the last week or so, he's shown a lot more juice. And hopefully, that's a sign of things to come because the Hawks could definitely going to need him to make the run that they want to make in the second half of the season. But he was really, really good in the second half, given the numbers earlier. But 13 points, I believe, maybe 12 points in the second half on high efficiency, playing a little bit better defense. He was dialed in and um, gives them a threat at all times offensively. Two starters. Um, the two guys who struggled a little bit were Herder and Collins, but both guys did a lot of good things as well. Uh, Herder just didn't have his shot in this game. He was actually two of eight on twos, which is weird for him, but made three threes after starting zero of three. Um, he actually made his next uh, three of his I think it was three of his next four, maybe was, maybe was his last three threes. He was hot late by thirteen points. Eight rebounds, three assists, two steals, and a block. Some nice moments defensively for him A game-high plus 19. is probably a little bit misleading, but I thought Herder was better than his shooting numbers indicated in this game. Um, Collins actually was 5'15 as well. So kind of a rough start for both those guys. In fact, I think at one point they were like 0 of 10 or 0 of 11 from the floor combined, Collins and Herter, um, which doesn't always happen. Um, funnily, John actually tied his season high with 12 rebounds. And I think he had 12 rebounds like mid-third quarter. So he didn't play a ton in the fourth But uh, a weird kind of proxy thing there. But love the team in rebounding. 16 points. Three block shots. did have two assists as well. Just didn't have his uh, normal efficiency. But still uh, managed to make an impact positively across the board in this game. Um, DeAndre Hunter, I thought had some nice flashes. Had 20 points. Didn't shoot it well. It was actually four of 11 on twos. Two of six on threes. So that's below what you would want efficiency-wise. But got to the line six times. Made all six. Nine rebounds is good to see from him. Had a block shot. Some good defensive moments on Middleton in the second half. I think it's uh, worth emphasizing that you know, you're know you not going to stop Chris Milton, but he's had their number in the last two years, basically. And also, there are a couple of possessions where Hunter got put on Giannis and it, it did not go well. And that's not a criticism of Hunter, but one of the things that I was uh, hearing from people was like, you know, why don't they have Hunter on Giannis? And right now, it's a reminder that the Hawks like Hunter a lot more on wings and guards than they do on, like, power forwards. Um, Hunter does have good size, and that, that gives you some versatility, but Giannis is much more likely to be guarded by a big. Um, like, I think they're going to if they had a choice between putting Gallo on Giannis and Hunter on Giannis, they probably would choose Gallo, which is kind of hilarious when you think about it because Hunter's obviously a lot better defender. But because Giannis's strengths and weaknesses, like he can't really shoot that well from the perimeter. Um, Gallo's just a lot bigger. And Hunter, just physicality-wise, is going to struggle with someone like Giannis. But he was their best option on Middleton in this game, even though Middleton has a good game overall. And I thought Hunter had some really nice moments, especially late. He had five points in a, in a row that were big in the fourth quarter. Had a nice take to kind of ice, ice things in the last minute as well. So nice moments there. And, he, and by the way, post-game, he was asked about his physicality. I think it was Chris Kirchner that asked him a question from The Athletic. And uh, DeAndre said he's not quite back to 100% in terms of um, his explosiveness from his injury last year. He said he's getting closer. That's uh, worth knowing as a positive for sure. But he's not quite to the same level of explosiveness. That's something to keep an eye on. Obviously, he's young enough where I'm not worried about that. But you know, in the next six months or so, you're, you would hope that he keeps uh, getting healthier and getting stronger and more explosive as the season continues. From there, the two stars of the night in terms of attention and also play on the floor were Kongwu and Trey Young. We'll go to Akongwu first. 12 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 blocks, a steal, plus 11 and 36 minutes. That is a ton of minutes for Kongwu, which is good to see in this game. Like I said before, they went without Gorgie Jang, and this is a season-high in minutes for Kongwu. No, it wasn't, actually. He played 38 against the Clippers. I lied. Um, Second-highest number of the season for Okong-woo. Um Did have five fouls by the end, but for a large portion of this game, he only had one foul. Um, and that was a big concern of mine in this spot, especially because he's guarding Giannis, and fouls have been an issue for him. He had the one bad one on Middleton on a three-point attempt, but he was disciplined in this game. The flashes really were, you know, startling in terms of their impressiveness. Um, Okongwu can sky up there with even seven footers in terms of uh, blocking shots he's not going to like live above the rim that's something that actually Trey talked about after the game was that he's not the kind of above the rim finisher that Collins is and they don't have that chemistry yet in terms of the lob finishing all that stuff but he does finish everything quite well around the rim like i think you know Collins is you know 99th percentile finisher in the nba but Collins not far behind that he is very very talented very very um you know good touch around the rim as well He's not going to be seven feet at any point, so don't worry about that. But it is, uh, you know, he makes it up for it with his low center of gravity. He is physical. He is strong, which Nate pointed out after the game as well. And uh, it was a complete game for Okongwu. Like it's like it's kind of funny if you just kind of watch the reactions to Okongwu in this game. You might have thought that he had thirty points and twenty and twenty rebounds. And yeah, he didn't have like the the box score numbers, but I think defensively, he changed the game, and it was. Obviously, their best option against Giannis throughout the night. Um, He stayed on the floor. He also made just flash plays. The two blocks on Giannis are just like the memorable stuff that you want to see. He's finishing extremely well around the rim. So um, he's still a second-year player who missed a lot of his rookie season, and he still makes rookie moments and rookie mistakes, and that is okay. Um, This is a guy who the whole plan for a Wu. if you're the Hawks, when you draft him in the lottery after a uh, in sort of a shortened season and he was hurt when they drafted him, all that stuff. It was all about long term. And no one thought that a con was gonna come in and be a starter in year two, and they have Click who is an established high end starter at center. And this kind of flashes there it's great. And that's obviously huge, but this is it's all about long term. You know, long, we talked about it a lot when it happened, like they're probably gonna have to move on from one of them at some point, and my guess will be Capella, but Akangwu um, is looking like the guy that they thought he was going to be. Now, you don't want to overstate it. I'm not going to tell you that he's already a star or he's anything like that. He He's not quite there yet, but the flashes are what they are. Like, he is extremely, extremely good uh, in terms of at his age and what he can do in the modern approach to the game and his versatility, um, both in scheme and what he can do on both of the floor. So... I'll stop going on and on about this, but uh, basically what I would say is if you want to know why I had him number four in the draft that year and why I liked the pick, while some people didn't always love that because they already had Capella, etc., I loved it, and I've always loved Kongwu, and this is kind of the reason why. He is uh, prototypical in terms of, yes, he's not seven feet tall, but in terms of the modern game, um, more on the perimeter, be able to move your feet, etc., protect the rim, finish, the touch, that could maybe even be a shooter at some point. Um, the whole package was here tonight, so a lot to be excited about with the Kong loop. And then lastly, Trey Young, um, kind of a slow start. In fact, they were kind of beating that over the head on the broadcast at times on TNT, and uh, I, was trying, I was trying to watch the rewatch of that. It was kind of interesting to see all that, but um, Trey did not have a great first three quarters, but turned on in the fourth at 15 points, and with 30 points, 11 assists, four rebounds, um, good to see him get back going because he's kind of struggled a little bit in the last five, six games before today. Obviously he had the explosive you know, NBA season high 56 point game against Portland, but ever since then he's not had his best stuff efficiency wise. And even in this game, he was only two of six on threes and five of 11 on twos. It wasn't like he was perfect, but cuts the line for 14 attempts, made all 14 passing is what it is, 11 assists is uh, elite, he's one of the best passers in the league, and um, made huge plays on the stretch, the big, you know, the 30 footer to go up by 6 was probably the single biggest shot of the game in the final 2-3 minutes of this contest, so Trey with a star turn in the 4th quarter as he's always prone to do, and just kind of good to see him get his feet under him after a couple of struggling games by his standards, so um, that's it for the players in this game, but uh, again, A very nice, complete win for the Hawks, particularly when they had to come back to do it. They closed the game out effectively, and that's been a bugaboo for this Hawks team this season. And, you know, all problems are not fixed. I want to say that right now. Like, This is one of those games I got a question immediately after the game. Like, is this a potential season-altering win for the Hawks? My answer is, is it potentially that? Sure. Is there a world in which, in a month, we look back and say, you know, the season flipped on January 17th, MLK Day, with that win over the Milwaukee? Yeah, that's possible. Um, Do I think it's definitely going to be the case? I don't know. It's one of those things where I wouldn't say definitely by any means. Like, the Hawks could lose the next game and we're back where we were, but it's one of those things where if you want to circle this one as a a time of optimism and momentum shifting, it could be that for sure. It was a really good win. You're an underdog. You're beating a really good team. It's established. They were um, not full strike but close to it. You you do it in your home building. Get some uh, fan support going on a holiday, national TV game. Lots of good moments from players, etc. So, Uh, It's a good time to be getting this win for Atlanta, but it's a good reminder that they're also 18-25. They have a long way to go. Um, I'm not trying to pour water on it. It's just one of those things where this is is one win that they needed badly. They had to get a win at some point along the way here, and uh, getting a win against Milwaukee in this spot is a good one, but um, it doesn't stop here. They have a lot more work to do, and uh, I'm sure they all understand that at this stage. Uh, Before we get to the look ahead to the next game, um, there was uh, some reporting by Chris Haynes of TNT and also Yahoo Sports, who was on the call on the sideline in this game. He actually reported that Trey Young is going to be um, at least a ten- intending to participate in a three-point contest at All-Star Weekend. Uh, Trey was actually asked about that after the game and kind of gave a non-answer, which I, you know he was never going to confirm that, I don't think. But I kind of trust Haynes reporting. So if Trey is an All-Star, and that was kind of the way he couched it, if is if Trey is going to be on, on the All-Star team, then he'll probably participate in the th- three-point contest. I would bet on him being on the team and and shooting in three-point contests, but obviously it's still a little bit early for all that. Also, Haynes reported that the Hawks and the city of Atlanta are going to bid to host an All-Star game as soon as they possibly can, and the first one that's available is 2025. Of course, last year they hosted the All-Star game, but it was not really an All-Star game. It was kind of um, put together because of the pandemic, and it was uh, not a full-ticketed event, not a full slate of weekend activities, etc., and I'm sure the Hawks and Steve Coonan and Tony Wrestler want the uh, full Shebang. So that'll be happening. It looks like probably in the near future with the renovation that happened a few years ago at State Farm Arena, etc. Okay, that's all out of the way. Next game on the agenda for the Hawks is Wednesday against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Minnesota is playing... Pretty well. It's like a 500 team right now, but with a pretty good point differential. They actually play a back-to-back, though. Minnesota plays in New York on Tuesday against the Knicks. On a uh, There's only two games in the NBA on Tuesday because of the jam-packed MLK Day slate. So if you are a basketball watcher, it's going to be the only game you can watch if you want to get a look at the Timberwolves uh, a day before they play the Hawks. Tuesday 7.30 against the Knicks. That's one to keep an eye on. So it's a back-to-back for Minnesota. That's a pretty interesting um, setup for the Hawks. I think Atlanta will be favored in the game as long as they are be healthy because they'll have home home court, no travel, um, travel for Minnesota, et cetera. And we'll see how that goes. But uh, Anthony Edwards coming back to Atlanta for the first time uh, this season, uh, obviously local products, etc. And then uh, this is the best Wolves team in a while. So that's uh, worth keeping an eye on in the future. I think I might have a podcast in between now and then, but at a minimum, my next show will be after the game on Wednesday. I think I will probably have one between, but no, no promises. This is a very hectic time of year for me. Um, outside of this podcast. So just keep that in mind. I will try to update people on the show as well as on my Twitter feed at BT Roland for the show updates. But the best thing you can possibly do to make sure you have the podcast in your feeds is to subscribe to the show via Odyssey or Stitcher or Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Let us know that and I should be there. Um, please follow the show on Twitter as well at Lockdown Hawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. And uh, yeah, with all that said, we'll uh, sign off for the evening after a nice one for the Hawks and we'll see you next time.